University, a podcast with value. Penny University presents a torn heart, loss of a child. How do you open and introduce a new series on loss of a child? It has been on my heart for a very long time to share a few stories on this type of loss. There are several types of loss, spouse, parent, friend. The list can go on and on. Each has its specific pain associated with the loss. Sadly, I have experienced several deaths in my life. We all have, and we all know of the sting of death. We all experience death in some way and at some point in time. Heck, we will personally experience death. It is the one guarantee in life. Loss of a child is membership to a club no one wants. Most of us pray, think, hope that it will never happen. Some of us have to walk. No, crawl on that path. Yes, I lost a child, my youngest son, Andrew, and I will share my story at the end of this series. I hope you listen to every episode. There are people that are living with holes in their hearts. Yes, living. Thank you for giving us the time to share our stories, to let you know of our loved ones' lives. I trust that this series is for everyone. Get to know some incredible people. Welcome to A Torn Heart, Loss of a Child. Episode 4. I hope you are together. Hello and welcome back to Penny University's newest series, A Torn Heart, Loss of a Child. Today's podcast is episode 4, Janelle Snyder. I hope you're together. Thank you to everyone who listens to Penny University. Your messages are priceless and empowering. Again, I want to remind everyone to listen, like, and share with your friends and family anywhere on your social media. Um, And also check out our Facebook page to see photos of everyone that I've talked with, from Jill Potter and her son to um, Jaylene and her twin boys to Charlie Kuhn and his daughter, Jessica. Um, Check out the photos. And I just wanted to let you guys know you all rock. Social distancing is easing up a little bit, but not for this series. And I am still sitting here in my office with my noisy old computer humming away while my guest is in her um, office at her house. And I want you to know that I like the unpolishedness, not a real word, of this episode because the sounds and the rawness fit the stories that we're sharing. And also in today's episode, the internet is a little shaky. So please be patient with us if there's a little bit of lag time. And um, I just wanna thank you for listening. So let's dive into this episode four with Janelle Snyder. And Janelle, could you share a little bit about who you are? Uh, yes, hi. hi. Um, I am Janelle. I am a preschool teacher. Um, and the reason I do that is because I just always wanted to be a mom. Um, so choosing a career was kind of hard for me because um, I just wanted to stay at home with my children. That's not 
as economical as we would like. So um, I needed to pick something, and so I chose kids. Um, so that's what I do. Um, I grew up in a big family, so I've got a bunch of nieces and nephews. I've been around kids my whole life um, and have three boys of my own, um, two of which I have lost. Um, but my motherhood to both them and my living son is a huge part of just who I am as a person. I I have to tell you, um, I remember when we first met, you were going to school and I was working at um, at the college and you were the receptionist at the mm-hmm. school and you were working through and you just were so comfortable with little ones. I would watch you sometimes and um, especially at Yabapai College because I could look down. <laughs> On, on the little kids, my window was looking down on Del Webb Center. And I, and it, I just love the comment here. All I ever wanted to be was a mom. That's beautiful. Yeah, um, even when I was a kid, um, and my mom was just talking to me about this this morning, how all six of her children I was really the only one who always wanted to be a mom it's just really the only thing I could see myself doing with complete confidence that I would be good at it it's just what I always wanted and um for those that are listening you had Lincoln Everett first Mm -hmm. and then your second one your little one he is you want, I'm drawing a blank. Jonah. 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 <laughs> I should I I read his I read his little stories and I will tell you I am friends with Janelle on Facebook and she shares the most adorable little videos of Jonah that I've ever seen. Oh, thank you. He's, he is so so special. And then your little one was and my little Liam, Liam Marshall. Okay. Uh, I I can't imagine someone wanting to be a mom all of her life and then having three boys, which I love boys. I have, I love boys. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with daughters, okay? So <laughs> but boys are amazing. And then you um, have Lincoln. And what what happened? Who 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 was Lincoln? What how what happened? What what do we know about Lincoln? Um, Lincoln Lincoln was my first son, um, and I only got to know him while he was growing in my belly. Um, but he was, I do know him that way though. Um, he was quiet. Um, and stubborn and only moved for me. I think his dad got to feel him one time, um, but otherwise he really just moved for me. Um, But he, he was my first one. And so I was really excited, but terrified. Um, Even though I wanted to do it my whole life, I was still, terrified um and he 
whenever I started to go into labor with him, um, it was taking forever and ever and ever. Um, and when my water finally broke and I started pushing, he just wasn't moving. Um, so I ended up going for a C-section and he was stuck. Um, so whenever he was finally removed, um, his skull was fractured, um, and he had a lot of bleeding in his brain. Um, so he really, he never got to take a breath. Um, and so the only way I really got to hold him, he was already gone. So I, I can't imagine, and I don't even want to say I do understand because I do not understand timing I don't understand I don't understand that um, somebody that waited and then here you have Lincoln and I love that you describe him I already knew he was stubborn that's that's adorable that's beautiful um, and ha and and that intimate connection between a parent a mom and a child it, it it's there it, it's even if that umbilical cord is cut you still have that and i remember when it happened um thinking of you and trying to wrap my head around you holding your your lincoln i just how did you get over not get over it you never get over it how did you breathe Maybe would be a better question. Um, oh, goodness. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I felt like I couldn't for a long time. Um, and I, I think what really helped first, a, a few things have, um, because I do still miss him all the time. Um, but I think the first thing I came across that really helped me was just coming to the realization that other people had been there and were still surviving um, because I just felt like the most immense loneliness when he died. Like, no one could possibly understand what my life was like, um, how I was feeling, um, I just felt so disconnected from every, everybody. And so as soon as I came across other people who had been through similar things, um, it, it was a huge shift for me. Um, just, okay, I can keep getting up every morning. I can face the rest of my life. And I can even make something good from so that was big. Um, and then I, I think after that, it was, I was facing a lot of depression. And I remember sitting at the table crying one morning and asking my husband, do you think I'm depressed? Um, and he said, well, maybe. Um, and I, I started to consider, what am I going to do about this? Do I need to go to the doctor? Um, cause my, my doctor offered me something for depression right after he died. And I said, 
no, I'm sad. <laughs> and I think I'm supposed to be sad right now. Um, so I really stopped and think and thought about whether or not that was something I needed to do. Um, I didn't end up doing that. I just needed to find a place for what I was feeling to go. Um, that's when I started writing, um, started my blog, um, and started painting. Um, so it, I just needed, I needed something to do with my hands, with my arms, since they couldn't be holding him. And it really helped me figure out how to be his mom still, even though he wasn't here. Uh, well, I remember seeing pictures of butterflies that you had done. Mm -hmm. And I, I love how you said I needed to do something with my hands and my arms because they couldn't wrap around him. So what were some of the things you painted and, and why did you pick that? Uh, butterflies were, still are actually, <laughs> um, I feel like I, I always see them when I feel like I need a reminder that I'm going to be okay. Um, and I think before I lost him, I would have thought that was crazy. I don't know if people can relate to it until they've seen that kind of thing. Um, but when I was going to the art supply store, because I just said, I'm going to paint something. I don't know what yet. And I went to just go get things. I didn't have anything in my house. Um, a butterfly went across the door as I was walking in. And so that's why I did it the first time. Um, and then I just, I see them all the time when I'm having a really hard day, when I, when I'm just really missing him. Um, and today even, I was really nervous about this. <laughs> um, and I was standing inside at work and I sent a friend a text and said, I'm doing this podcast recording today. I'm really, really nervous. And I walked out the door and a butterfly just like dove in front of my face. Um, and so I just felt a little bit comforted by that. Like he was kind of telling me, you can, you can do this. It's what you do. You talk about us, you can do this. So um, that's why I paint butterflies. You know, everybody, I believe, that is walking this path finds those things to hold on to. Um, mm -hmm. For me, it's not butterflies, it's ravens. And, you know, um, they throw sticks at me, they talk to me. Wherever I go, it's like I have a raven there. Now, I guess maybe thank God it's not like Edgar Allan Poe Raven. It's they're very sweet. <laughs> they're very sweet. But I I believe that that things are there for us to hold on to. And I, I love mm -hmm. I love that. And well and then Jonah came into your life. That had yes. to be really interesting to have Jonah after you lose Lincoln. It was, um, and what's complicated, <laughs> uh, his, his pregnancy was really scary. Um, 
But similarly to the butterflies, when I was pregnant with Jonah, I kept seeing doves everywhere. And I just, I felt like I was getting these little peace symbols. Everything's going to be fine. Um, And so when we picked Jonah's name, it actually means doves. Um, And we came across that we were trying to find a water name because Lincoln means town by a lake. So we kind of wanted to connect them a little bit. Um, Coming across Jonah, like a Jonah and the whale, is how it's connected to water. But then as soon as my husband found out, it means doves. And I had been seeing them all over the place. It's like, well, that is obviously his name. (laughs) It was so... um, just so perfect so it sounds like your husband um, was very supportive while he he had to been dealing so much too but it sounded like you two pulled together a little we did um it made us stronger in a lot of ways um and now that we're facing it again i think it's harder in a lot of ways, but I think, I think we'll, we'll keep finding that togetherness in it, but, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I understand. Yeah. So we have Lincoln with butterflies, Jonah with doves, which I think is beautiful. Um, then we have Liam. How, how long was it for Liam to, after Lincoln? Uh, Lincoln, Jonah, uh, Liam. Yeah. Um, well, well, actually, the space between the boys is pretty close. Um, Lincoln and Jonah, I got pregnant exactly 15 months to the day. <laughs> um, and then Jonah and Liam, it was about 15 months between my pregnancies as well. Um, so they were, Jonah had turned two in November and then Liam came early in January so they were just barely two years apart and um, Liam was born healthy correct he was yes Um, and was just the sweetest baby I've ever ever met Um, he was I always tell people that he was just so peaceful and calming. Um, And anyone who came around him, it was like he just soothed them. Um, He just was, he was just a calm. Um, And he and Jonah connected so, so quickly Um, And that was my biggest fear with having another baby is that Jonah was going to have a hard time. Um, He wasn't going to feel loved anymore. (laughs) I just had all these fears and they were so um, just best friends. Like they had been together forever. So they were the sweetest little pair. And then... I love sweetest, peaceful, calming, soothing. What a beautiful description for a baby. No col- no colic, huh? <laughs> no, he was really so content and he just wanted to snuggle all the time. Um, and I just, um, 
when Jonah was a newborn, it was so hard in the middle of the night. I struggled a lot with not being able to sleep. Uh, (laughs) And he was a bit more of a fussy baby, especially at night. Um, And Liam, he woke up to eat pretty regularly. uh, But I just feel like I... I had it together a little more, like I could just sit there with him and savor that time. I didn't feel rushed to put him back to bed. Um, he was he was just really special. Um, and anytime I felt anxious, he kind of just mellowed that out in me. So, um, well, anybody who's a parent knows that some are cuddlers and some aren't. And when you Jonah was not, <laughs> Liam was. <laughs> yes. And when you are blessed with a cuddler, it that mm-hmm. just swells yep. a mom's heart because you just oh you know they just cuddle into your shoulder and cuddle into your chest and um, yeah yeah that's a that's a special gift. So it is. What happened with Liam? Um, Liam started to get a little cough, uh, stuffy nose, um, and he wasn't having too hard a time, but he got a little fever, so I took him to the ER at about five and a half weeks old, um, and he tested positive for RSV, um, I don't know what that is. Okay, thank you, I didn't know what that is. Yeah, it's, Okay, yeah, it's a respiratory virus. Um, so it's viral. It's not an infection. They can't give um, they can't give antibiotics for it. Um, just oxygen if he starts to struggle. Um, so we were sent home. His oxygen was okay. Um, a couple days later, he seemed like he was doing better. We had a great day. Um, He was playing with Jonah. He was really expressive. Um, And we went to bed that night and he, I woke up to hearing him um, really grunting when he was trying to breathe. Um, So I popped out of bed and rushed him back to the ER and they got him on oxygen um, and admitted us right away and got a transferred to Phoenix Children's because um, they couldn't do anything for him um, besides oxygen here. So we were sent to Phoenix. Um, and he went a chopper. We got there a couple hours after him. Um, he got home. We got Jonah situated, um, sent with his granny um, packed up our bags and drove. So by the time we got there, he had been there a couple hours. Um, So I walked in and asked for him, thinking he maybe would just be there on oxygen. Um, And the receptionist called back and asked if we needed to wait or if we could go back. And she said we'd have to wait because he was being prepared for a procedure. and that a doctor would come talk to us soon. So I was um, just completely shocked. I had no idea what had happened in that time frame. Um, So a nurse kind of stuck her head out and said they were doing a lot with him. Those were his words (laughs) or her words. And um, that he was on a ventilator. 
Um, so I, we just had to sit and wait um, and found out that right as the chopper landed with him, he had coded twice and need resuscitation. Um, so that's why he was on the ventilator. Um, so we were at the hospital with him for well, it feels like forever, but I guess it was only maybe 48 hours. Um, he was on an ECMO machine, which reroutes blood um, from, and helps keep the heart and lungs working. Um, and that is pretty invasive, pretty risky. Um, but we just kept getting bad news every time we talked to somebody. Um, his liver wasn't working. They were going to add a dialysis machine. Um, they found strep in his blood. It was just kind of one bad thing after the next. Um, and then they connected him to um, some monitors to read his brain activity, and they weren't picking anything up. Um, so they had to trek him and all his machines across the hospital to get a CT scan. Um, and when they got him back from that, I just, I knew it wasn't going to be good. Um, so they brought us into a conference room, which wasn't reassuring. Um, and let us know that when he coded the previous day, he had lost 90% of his brain. Um, it, all the tissue had lost oxygen, and really all he had left was his brain stem. So um, he, at that point, was just pretty much functioning because of all the machines he was up, hooked up to. Um, and we just needed to decide when to remove them. Uh, um, I will never say I can understand that decision. I, that's unfathomable to me. Not only. It was hard. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> So, how do you deal with that? Um, I feel like the only way I was able to get through that, as I wouldn't say I was calm, but as calmly as I did, um, was that I had been through it before. Um, it's a really strange thing because in a lot of ways it makes it harder. Um, like I can't believe I'm doing this a second time. Um, but in other ways, it is easier to make decisions, um, to process my own thoughts, I guess is a little bit easier having been through it before. Um, but in other ways, it was much, much harder. <laughs> um, so 
we just um we knew we wanted to make sure people got to meet him this time because with lincoln no one no one got to see him um, or hold him only my mom because she was already there with us and then um my brother-in-law and one very close friend Um, but other than that no one got to meet him um so we really just called everybody um some family members hadn't even met him in the six weeks he was alive um and that was their first time meeting him so that was really really hard um we wanted to make sure Jenna got to come say goodbye and then after that it was just um just deciding when I felt like it was time so how and I just kind of let it was so it was important for you to have people know him I have I've actually heard that before with people that have lost an infant that nobody knew them. Only I knew them. I've heard that before. So that's, mm-hmm. that's you know, an interesting feeling. Yeah. Because um, with, with Lincoln, I think whether people mean to or not, um, it's easier to go on as if things are normal if they haven't come face to face with that, with that person. Um, and they only know, um, but with Liam, I just wanted to make sure people had their own memories of him. Um, and I, I didn't totally process exactly why that was other than that it felt pretty horrible not to have people meet Lincoln. Um, so I just wanted to make sure anything I, anything I had regretted from saying goodbye to Lincoln that I didn't have those regrets with Liam. There are tons of podcasts out there. You have options. Penny University is truly a podcast with value, and we strive to share great true stories. Some are plain fun, some might bring a tear to your eye, and maybe even make you a little angry. Listen to them all. Please listen, like, and share. Head over to our Facebook page, see who we are. And thanks for listening. You are listening to Penny University, a podcast with value. We hope you are finding this presentation touching and maybe even healing. If you would like to share your two cents, please contact Deborah at pennyuniversity at protonmail.com. You can also send a message to any of our guests. Now, back to Penny University's presentation of A Torn Heart, Loss of a Child. Just between um, our breaks here, I was trying to wrap my head around the comment where you said, you know, I, I tried to learn from Lincoln. So, you know, with Liam, and that's a lesson nobody should have to learn for sure. But here we have Jonah. How is, how does Jonah deal? How is Jonah, you know, walking through this mourning process too? 
Um, he, he does. He does grieve. Um, and I don't know if people would expect that from a two-year-old. Um, he has always known Lincoln. Um, he has always gone to his pictures. Um, and he has always said goodnight to him at night. Um, and blows him kisses um, and knows that he's his brother. Um, and when Liam died, he looks for him sometimes, which is really, those moments are really hard. Um, and he kind of understands. He'll talk about him and say, brother got sick um, or brother's at the hospital. Um so he he kind of gets it. He kind of doesn't at all, um, but he does miss him. Um, so he's two. He has days, even without missing his brother, that are just hard because he's two. He's learning how to process the world. Um, but there are days I can tell he's really just missing being a big brother. Um, temper tantrums and really sensitive, um, kind of aggressive, but then looks at his brother's pictures and is tender and um, very sweet and calm. Um, and some days he can know to tell me, I miss brother. Um, so he has good days and bad days. Um, the same as I do, or the same as his dad does, I think. So, um, so it's what are what are some but, of the things that you do? Are are you stepping back into journaling and painting, or has your um, I you know I can remember one time saying to my sister we had walked our mailboxes aren't at our house they're up on another street and we walked to the mailbox and I said. You know why God put it on my heart, but I really believe it was God. If um, at that time my oldest was in Afghanistan, and I said, if I lose one of the boys, I'm going to go insane. And she said, No, you won't. You'll put your big girl panties on and you'll make it. I mean, that was one of my mother's sayings. If we were being butthead, mm -hmm. she'd say, Put your big girl panties on and stop whining. Mm -hmm. I can't. Pardon? I can't wrap my head around. Yeah, right losing a little one because they're so beautiful for you know mm -hmm. i mean i tj just turned 39 and i still think he's beautiful but you know a, a little one and then having to deal with again with liam after you have hold, held him and he was a cuddler I, how do you find that path now um I think in a lot of similar ways um when he I, I think I was probably still we hadn't even gotten home yet after he died um we were on our way home and I said to my husband um I need to do something um, and I don't know what it is yet, but I need to do something with the awful, awful things that have been handed to me. 
Um, so I am writing a lot more, um, probably more than I even did when I first started with Lincoln. Um, painting some, but it's a little bit harder to have time with Jonah. Um, but I think the biggest thing right now is just allowing myself to make plans for the future, um, to start dreaming of what I might do. Um, I have some ideas of things I might do, um, <laughs> but, um, but just making sure I take care of myself. Um, cause after Lincoln died, that was something it took a really long time to learn, um, was to make sure I take care of myself, um, whatever that means. Um, and it's different every day, but just going with what those needs are. Um, so right now it's making sure that I do write when I feel like I need to write and that I am getting exercise, um, eating decently, um, things that are kind of easy to get out of control when you're hurting. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful that I know to do those things. Um, because I, I don't think I would be able to, <laughs> if I didn't have some experience in grief, that sounds a little bit weird. Um, I think it sounds profound actually, uh, you know, that you know that grief is a, is a process. And so mm -hmm. you are allowing yourself to go through that process. I think that's profound. It's, um, it's been kind of interesting because at, at first I thought I knew what to expect because I'd been through it before, um, that I knew what it would look like. And in some ways that's true, but in other ways I'm learning that it's still completely different and completely unexpected every day. Um, and that I just have to let it be what it's going to be, um, and feel what it's going to feel like, um, not try to control it too much just because I have that experience. Um, so I, I feel like something I learned when Lincoln died was that you don't get to choose when you grieve, um, but you can choose to heal because it's, it's hard work. So it is kind of a choice you have to make. Um, and so I just keep, keep making that choice to try and heal even when it doesn't feel you know, like something I want to do. You, I have heard that uh, Jill Potter, who was our first episode, she said every morning she wakes up and she has to decide, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. I'm going to get up. I'm going to do. Because okay. it would be so much, it would be painful and easy to just throw the cover on and just not. Um, Janelle, helping others. 
uh, I'm sorry, Jaylene, you know, helping others move forward, helping others, mm -hmm. um, Charlie the same way. And I, I think that's one thread that I see through all of you is, I love this, don't choose, you know, I don't choose when to grieve, but I choose to heal. We all mourn differently. We all deal with those holes differently. But you have to move forward in some way. That the the I believe it's a fallacy, at least from my interpretation, from my pain. I will never heal. Right. You know, I will never. Time does not heal. Hands down. But I have to live. Right. So, how do, how how do you know how, how do you and your husband work through that? I you know I am not with my boy's father, so I I deal with um, my husband Jerry, who was with them since they were young, you know. But how does a man and a woman take those steps? Um. I think just like I mentioned, um, let ourselves think about the future. Um, helping others is something that's pretty heavy on both of us. Um, so I'm thinking about going back to school, um, maybe finding some way to maybe do some kind of counseling, but in a completely untraditional way um, and still really trying to process what that might look like. Um, and it's just something we want to do together. Um, and, and otherwise, just day-to-day, -day, um, just letting each other feel and giving each other a lot of slack um, when things really, really hurt and... It's hard to act normal. Yes, <laughs> yes. We're not anywhere near normal um, right now, but just being really patient with each other. Um, well, I know even with Jerry and myself, there you're never on this when you're dealing with mourning and grief. You're never on the same page. So there were days that Jerry was feeling overwhelmed or super sad and I had to let him feel those and I couldn't say oh come on you know I had to let him feel those and on and then those other days where Jerry would come in and I would be crying do you need me no just let me be today and there were other days where right. it's like yes I need you to just hold me through this mm -hmm. you know so I guess it's honesty and accepting i don't i i, I certainly don't know the answers here yeah and i think having jonah helps um it helps but it's harder um losing lincoln we only have each other um and in a way that did kind of bond us more no one else really understood what we were feeling um and now with jonah we're keeping things together for him the best that we can um focusing on helping him process things um 
while we try to keep ourselves together. Um, but it is just kind of different every day, just like everything else <laughs> with, <laughs> with grief. Uh, it's just different every day. And we just have to try to take it as it comes. Yes. But together the but best we to- can. I like that. Take it as it, com- as it comes, but together. Child loss, um, whether it be infant or adult, is deep. And there is no, you know, like I said to you, okay, we're in our final um, part of the this episode. Do you have any final thoughts? And you kind of laughed. Final thoughts, what is that? And it's true. There is no final in losing a child. It's day to day. But if you could kind of maybe just share something that you want to share with somebody that maybe lost a little one or lost a child period because it's deep no matter if they're 39 or they're nine you know I mean it just doesn't it doesn't change Mm -hmm. um I guess I would just share what has been such a huge um thought for me um that people people are always telling me they don't understand why um or some people have reached out to me and said they're trying to understand why they're going through something similar um i've stopped trying to figure out why um because i don't know that any reason will ever feel good enough um for my son's being taken from me Um, so I don't, not everything happens for a reason. Um, just bad things happen. Um, and I, I'm just going to keep choosing to make good things happen next. Um, and it's not going to be because they died, um, because I would rather have them here, but I'm going to keep making life good and making them proud of me and being the best person that I can be, even though it's not who I used to be. Um, And don't look for reasons why and don't look for who you used to be because it's probably not ever going to be back the way it was before. I think... That's beautiful. And I understand it. You're not going to be who you were before. Not after these two tragedies. You're not. And I think I want, I, if you don't mind, I want to grab the, I want to be a better self for them. I love that. I want to be a better self for Andrew. I want to be a better self for Lincoln and Liam. Yeah. I love that. And I thank you so much. I, you know, I, I am just honored that you said, okay, I would like to share. I just thank you so much for that. That's amazing. Thank you for asking me too. Oh, well, you know, and I'm so sorry that you're part of this club. I remember running into you at Starbucks and it was after you lost Lincoln 
and uh-huh. it was after I lost Andrew and you came up to me and you hugged me and you said something and you said you understand and we just stood there hugging and I it gives me it makes my heart makes me uh, it just makes me um glad to know that there are people like you that understand my heart and I want you to know I understand your heart and I think it's crap that we are in this club but me too <laughs> but thank, thank you for sharing and um I really appreciate it please give Jonah a huge hug from me I will make him a cuddler <laughs> there's no way he won't sit still <laughs> but you know hey he's gonna be a doer <laughs> oh thank you janelle thank you thank you for taking the time to listen to Penny University's A Podcast with Value. Please join us again for the next episode in this moving series, A Torn Heart, Loss of a Child. Until next episode, be strong, wise, and safe.